Welcome to the Jada Edwards Podcast, where I get to take a few moments to share with you what God is sharing with me. Martin Luther King Jr., besides being an amazing uh, activist and leader and teacher, he was a great writer. And um, we've lost that art a little bit. But there is a uh, document that is now well known. It's called uh, A Letter from a Birmingham Jail. And there is an excerpt from that that I think rings so true for us today. And I just want to share that with you. What he says is that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. He says, we must come to see that human progress never rolls on in wheels of inevitability. It comes through our tireless efforts and persistent work of men willing to be co-workers with God. He says, once upon a time, the church was not just a thermometer, it was a thermostat. And he uses this phrase, he said, the people of God were too God intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. Now that is preacher talk, okay? But what he is saying is he reminding us even years ago, what rings true today is he's looking, he was looking around, having time to reflect and saying that the issue is not the people who do the wrong things and make the wrong choices. Is that the people who have the power of God and who know Jesus and who know the truth and have the joy and have the peace and have the answer are too quiet. Even then, and I think that still rings true today, that we wrestle with when to speak and when to be silent and what boldness looks like, what bravery looks like. How do we do it that in a way that glorifies God and not glorifies self? How do we become so God intoxicated, so consumed with the goodness and power and message and gospel of God that we are not intimidated by anything? We don't care who unfriends us and who uninvites us, and we don't care if we're not popular. We don't care if we get a lot of likes. We don't care if everybody applauds, applauds. but we need to be bold about what God has called us to do. And so I love this letter. I read it um, often, actually. It's very long, and you know, he was a preacher, so he, he was long all the time. And so uh, it's very long, but some of the ways that he thought about what it meant for the church to be active, for believers to be active and to be intentional and to not be intimidated. And when I look around our culture today, I think intimidation is a new tactic of the enemy. It's like he is finding ways to make us afraid to say something. We're so careful about what to say and how to say it, and those things are important, but not to the point that it silences us and we say nothing at all. And so what I would like to challenge you with tonight is that God has called us to a unique boldness. And and it is relevant for this time, but it's also the call of the believer. There's not any particular season in history that needs it more than any other time because the life of a Christ follower is a bold life. It's one that's brave. When I hear these stories, I think about how bravery and boldness can take on different faces. You don't have to be the loud one. Um, If you are, then I'm with you. I got that covered. I was the, I, I am the loud one. I really was, you know, and so my husband is a loud one. And so we, we don't really struggle with being the people that are heard, right? Because we, we were loud and, and when we engage with each other, it, it's robust and it's colorful and all of these things, right? So we, that is not our issue. But boldness, y'all, is not about personality. There's, there's times that God is going to call us to be, call us to be bold in ways that work against how we're wired. Sometimes my boldness is that I'm quiet when I really want to have, when I have something to say. And that's when I know it's the Lord. Because I'm like, now, wait a minute. I have many things to say, Lord, and all my points are correct in the name of Jesus. 
Still working on humility. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, I don't think you should say that. I think you need to be silent and let this thing play out. And I'm like, oh no, but I have so many good insights to add to this thing. And sometimes my boldness is being quiet. And so for some of you, that may be the case. And some of you might be already the quiet, reflective, introspective types. And the boldness might be asking God, calling you to speak into a silent place. Do something that's uncomfortable. It can look like a lot of different things, but here's the thing, it's not optional. The great commission that we have, Jesus left disciples and said, I want you to go and make disciples. He already knew you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna be abandoned, you're gonna be laughed at, it's not gonna go well, you're gonna invest in people and you're gonna think it's great and they're gonna leave you after three years, they're gonna betray your trust and they're gonna disappoint you and they're gonna talk about you, you're gonna question your calling, you're gonna wonder if you're enough, you're gonna wonder if you're qualified, all that, go. With all that, he said, go. And so the boldness for the believer is not an option. So tonight, I wanna spend a few moments in the book of Joshua. It's one of my favorite books. I say that about every book in the Bible. But it is one of my favorite books because it's so much, um, so much encouragement wrapped up in, in the book of Joshua. And it starts with uh, Joshua being called into a new season. And we get to see how God's boldness, how God-driven courage, what it looks like in the life of a believer, regardless of personality, regardless of circumstances. And so in the beginning of Joshua, what's happened is Moses has died at the beginning of chapter one, and now Joshua is having a conversation with God. So God has allowed Moses, a faithful servant who did, uh, did his job, got the people out of Egypt and did his thing, and then his time has come to an end. He was not allowed to see the promised land because of some disobedience, some unbelief, but his time ended, and now God is having a conversation with Joshua. He says, listen, my servant Moses is dead, and so now I need you to get ready for your season, for your calling. He tells Joshua in that chapter three different times, I want you to be strong and courageous. Now, I think he tells Joshua that because God in all of his wisdom instructs us in things we know, he knows we're not naturally inclined to be. So he's telling him to be strong and courageous because he's saying, I know you're going to want to be weak and afraid. There's gonna be things coming at you that are gonna to speak to the fearfulness and they're gonna intimidate you. So I'm telling you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And the, the last time he says it, he says only be very strong and courageous. So God repeats himself three times with a very important message because he's about to send his servant into a new season. And I think for many of us, that is the case. We find ourselves in broad seasons of life, whether it's age or parenting or in our singleness or our careers, education. But then there's these many seasons within the season. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you're like, this, okay, this, this kind of is the season I'm in, except for when I look at other people like me, we're not, we don't have everything in common. There's still some different things that God is doing in me. So, so even when the, these broad seasons or categories of life, you have some things that God might challenge you to. So for example, my husband and I decided to be married 12 slash 13-ish years before we started a family. So we started a family and we are like the gray-haired people that take their kids to kindergarten. And so, so all of my friends, their kids are like graduating high school and I got a diaper genie in my house, right? 
So, so there are many times where I find myself like straddling these seasons, right? Because I have people that are my age. And so we relate with things that have happened in life. We finished college together. Then I have people whose kids are the age of my kids. And those people usually are not my age. And so we talk about parenting, things like that. But then I end up mentoring and discipling them because they're 28. They don't know what they're doing. And so I, I have to explain to them that I see things different. When you're in your 40s, you're just like, listen, we're not doing all that. You don't need to buy that. You don't need to buy that, okay? You don't need to spend that on that party, all right? Just go to the table at the house and, and have it small. And they go, you know what? You're right. And I'm like, I'm here to release you. So, so, we, so I, I'm in this season all the time. And then I have people who, I have some people who are in my age, but they're making major career changes. They're starting something new. My husband and I are 12, 13 years into ministry. And so when you have these seasons that you're straddling, right? You're trying to figure out, okay, how does God want me to navigate my thing? And that's why the first thing that I really want to share with you about this story of Joshua as we talk about what it means to be bold, what it means to be brave, is that very often we're going to be called to do what's unprecedented. You're going to be called to do what's unprecedented because you will never have your life line up exactly like someone else's. There's going to be so many nuances to your life, but here's the beauty of it. God has crafted your story, the highs and the lows. He has crafted your personality, your gifting, your experiences, your passions, and he's created a beautiful recipe to create something for you to do in this period of time. And if you waste time trying to say, well, at this age, I should look like this person. Or if my kids are this age, they should be doing what this family is doing. Or at this stage in my career, or this is too late to be changing careers. Or why don't I know what I'm doing? Or I should have been ahead of this by now. If you start doing that, you'll miss the thing that God has for you because you'll be trying to imitate what he's got for somebody else. So being bold, God is gonna call you to do unprecedented things. That means he's going to bring community in your life. He's going to bring people in your life that might line up with maybe two or three things. But there's not going to be somebody that lines up with everything. That's why we need community. It takes a group of people. It takes my whole tribe. I've got like nine girlfriends and my husband says that's the largest small group of friends I've ever heard of in my life. And we talked about this because when I got married, he was like, okay, we're getting married y'all and in our 20s and just trying to do all the things in a wedding. And so I was like, okay, I just, I'm just going to have my closest friends as my bridesmaids. He was like, how many is that? I was like, 10. <laughs> he was like, you have 10 friends? <laughs> so I was like, actually, I have 15, but I, the other four or five will be hostesses. So I'm just <laughs> I'm at 10. And he just thought, you know, I was extra. And it was legit because I am extra. But I was like, no, 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 these really are my friends. And so it took these 20 years of marriage for him to see that I still hang out with those 10 friends or still my core. I'm like, no, I need all 10 of them because I'm just that fragmented where I need these 10 women to each <laughs> minister to some area of my life. I, I mean, I don't have that much that lines up with one of them. Some of us are single, some of us are newlyweds, some of us have kids, some of us don't. I mean, we're all over the place. And so in our little group, we have little groups of three. You know how in your friends, you have friends within your friends. And so y'all know what I'm talking about because four of y'all will be at dinner, but only two of y'all know the whole story about something. Y'all are laughing because you're guilty. And so you're sitting there and you're talking and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that one time we all went and everybody's laughing and you and the one friend are like, 
Because there's always like a group within the group, right, that knows a little bit more. But, but maybe in the next story, it's you and another person that knows the whole thing, right? That's why you need this tribe, you need this community. Because when God's calling you to do unprecedented things, he's gonna bring multiple people in your community that's gonna encourage you. It's not gonna be, rinse, rinse and repeat is not for the Christian life, y'all. It's not. He's like, I don't need you to take a template or a mold from somebody else. He didn't tell Joshua, hey, Moses is dead. Will you take his playbook and do everything that he did? He said, no, Moses is dead and he did his part and he served his role. But now here's what I have for you. And he gives him some promises. He says, every place your foot treads, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to allow you to conquer. I'm going to give you victory in my name. And he makes all these promises. Then he says, but be strong and courageous. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, well, God, if you're giving me all the victory and all the wins, why would I not be strong and courageous? Because he knows that even when I make these promises, the frailty and the weakness in your humanity, you're going to still doubt me. You're going to forget. And you're going to have a great moment at church. And you're going to have a great experience and be like, God is good. He reigns on the throne. And then something is going to happen the next day. And you're like, I can't do it, God. It's too much. I'm just going to stay where I am, Lord. I, you know what? I pr- Let me pray about it. And you know prayer. That's the best way to drag your feet in the name of the Lord. Because that's what we use prayer for. When God is like, go, you're like, I just want to pray about it. He's like, yeah, but the prayer is to get my answer. And I'm telling you what to do. And so we still find a way to drag our feet. We come to our groups like, will you just pray for me? Because the Lord's already told me what to do and I don't want to do it. We need to be honest. So we have to be willing to do unprecedented things. That's the boldness that God is going to call us to. Here's the difference. God commanded Moses to send 12 spies to check out the land, but Joshua only sent two, right? So Moses' spies traveled this huge territory. They had to traverse this large piece of land, and Joshua's spies were very direct. They focused just on Jericho. Moses' spies brought back fruit and not a good report. Joshua's spies brought back faith. Moses let his spies report to the entire congregation, and Joshua was the only one to receive the report of his spies. Moses, the, his spies, went out on the premise of a possibility, but Joshua's went out on the premise of God's promise. And it's not to compare that one is bad and one is good. It's just that one is right for this season. And if you try to pull back from something someone else did from the last season, you won't be doing the unprecedented thing God's called you to do. He does not bring children of God into this world. He does not give us salvation and the hope of Jesus Christ so that we can repeat the life of someone that's gone before us. He says, I'm going to call you to do unprecedented things. So we have to make sure that the things in front of us, we don't allow them to contradict what we know God's called us to do. You can't let what you see distract you from what God said. Because sometimes it's the thing in front of you. And right when you get excited and you know you can do it, you get that text message. Or you're reminded of a a past failure. Or you're looking at something that makes everything seem impossible. And God's like, I already knew that was coming. That's why I said be strong and courageous. That's why I gave you my promises. Because I knew that the reality of life was going to come crashing in. And I needed to make sure that my word would rise above all the realities that are facing you. So we're going to be called to do unprecedented things. You can be influenced by someone's life, but we're not called to imitate. Second thing, being bold means that we have to go to unlikely places. Y'all say unlikely places. Okay, now, now I like a talking unlikely places. There we go. All right. We have to go to unlikely places. Now, 
Verse two, chapter one of the book of Joshua, it says, then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, this was interesting because there was a large territory that God was promising the children of Israel. But in this particular uh, move, Joshua sends spies to go specifically to Jericho. He acts without hesitation. He's like, okay, let's go. Let's go do it. But there's a strategy to what he was doing here, right? This spiritual strategy to what was happening. It was an unlikely place, but it was a strategically smart place because Jericho was considered the strongest and most fortified city in Canaan. Now, because of that, the reason why it was considered so strong and fortified is because actually it was so low below sea level, it was hard to attack. As a matter of fact, at the time it was considered, still to this day, considered the lowest city on earth. Um, So it was low, hard to attack because low places, right, are easy to defend, but they're hard to attack. And so this was a very intentional, strategic thing. And there were people who at the time would have said Jericho wasn't the wisest place to go and spy out. But Joshua said, I know that God is calling me to do something unprecedented, which means I'm going to have to go to an unlikely place. Now, I'm just wondering how many people here are wanting to do something bold for God, but they want to do it in their same comfortable place. Guys like that don't even make sense. Well, I mean, you in your place with your fuzzy socks on and your pajamas and, and life is good. And I'm, I'm going to call you to something that's unprecedented. I'm going to send you into an unlikely place. And I just wonder what space God might be calling us into. I wonder how God might be pushing us. And this is more than just what the world calls getting out of your comfort zone. I'm talking about places that only would make sense when you explain God's story in your life. And if you talk to people who really are living passionately for God, most of them will say, I never thought I'd be here. That's because God was like, yeah, I know because your thoughts, you know, my thoughts, they're not your thoughts, my ways. And listen, nobody ever says from from the time I was two years old, I mapped out my whole life and I knew this is how it would end up today. And here's how God has used me every time. They're like, I mean, I thought I was going to be here and then God took me here. And then I came here and took this job. And then I got here and God allowed me to be laid off. And then I came here for this. And this, that's what happens because we're willing to go into unlikely places. I heard uh, the young woman earlier talking about her hesitation going into ministry. That's almost a sure sign that it's the Lord because I mean, very rarely is God calling us to do the thing that we we want to run into because our flesh is not that godly. The thing that we want to run into is probably not the thing where God's going to get the most glory. It's the thing that we're scared of. It's It's that when we have that Moses moment, you're like, Lord, are you sure? Have you met me? I don't know about this. It reminded me when when Conway and I decided to um, go into ministry. And I remember y'all asking him specifically before we got married, because he was a seminarian, which was already my first flag. I was like, are you like super godly? (laughs) Like, do you just talk in scripture? You know, and so I was already a little leery. And so when I got to know him, I was like, oh, he's really cool. He got a lot of personality. He's fun. He's loud like me. So I was like, okay, we can, we can make this work. So I remember asking him in our dating, which was short. We had like a 10-month courtship. And so he said, I said, do you want to be the pastor of a church? And he was like, oh, absolutely not. I said, are you sure? I know, I know you people. I know the seminary people. Y'all got, I know what's in the water. Y'all want to lead churches and things like that. He said, no, no, no. I just want to develop leaders. And I said to him verbatim, I remind him of this all the time. I said, good, because I am not called to be a pastor's wife. Like I said these words. 
I mean, I wish I had written it somewhere so the record could show. But I remember this conversation, and he laughs about it all the time. And, and now 20 years later, and 13 years into ministry, uh, 13 years into local church ministry, but 20 years in ministry, I wonder what God was thinking when he heard me say those words. And he's looking at me at this point in time and saying, oh, girl, if you stick with that mindset, you're going to miss what I have for you over here. Because where I'm taking you is an unlikely place. You're resolving in your heart now to never do something. And it's the very thing I'm going to call you to do. Because the thing that we are afraid of, the thing that we feel unqualified for, is so often the way that God is going to get glory in our lives. Because if we're too qualified for it, if it makes too much sense, then it'll look like we know what we're doing. And we'll mess around and give ourselves the glory. And somebody will say, how did you get here? And you'll say, oh, it was my hard work. It's because I made these sacrifices. It's because I worked hard. I was strategic. I networked. I didn't get any sleep. I did this. I did that. And God is saying, listen, your skills and your qualifications are secondary to my sovereignty. And so when I put you somewhere, I need to make sure that you don't accidentally give yourself too much glory. So let me set it up for you. So that when you tell the story, they'll say, oh, Lord, that had to be God. That's, that had to be God. You, she has no business up here. I sure do not. <laughs> but for the glory of God. Because he's going to call us into unlikely places. He's going to call us into places that don't seem logical in the scope of our lives. I'm not just talking about uncomfortable. I'm talking about the thing that didn't even cross your mind. There's going to be spaces. There's going to be times he calls you to minister first to your family. Because you got people in your family that's not saved. And you're more passionate about talking to strangers about Jesus than your family. Because it's hard to talk to family about Jesus. They know your history. They know your whole life. They're like, oh, oh, now you're saved. <laughs> I remember. You're like, wait, hold on. You know, new creation and all that. Hold on, <laughs> you know. Right? It's hard in some spaces. It's hard when God is calling us to go back into relationships we'd rather not revisit because they're painful. And he's saying, yeah, but I want you to be loving and I want you to be forgiving and I need you to be a reconciler in this space. I want you to be the one that leads the way. And I know that your mom or your dad maybe didn't handle it right or maybe you've got this pain from this friend, but I'm calling you into this unlikely place because this is how I'm going to get glory in your life. So it's not always something on a grand stage, but it's certainly going to be an unlikely, unexpected place. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure and leave a comment or review and share and subscribe. Have a great one.